In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. The Lord rebuilds Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He counts the number of stars and calls them by all their names. Our psalm this morning is one of contrasts. The creator of the universe who can command the snow in its melting, the storms in their ceasing, the God who sent his commandments to the whole world, that same God rebuilds. He cares enough to go gather in the exiles. The God who numbers the stars and calls them all by their proper name, that same God comes down and heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. It's hard to believe. And Isaiah prophesies that is the care that our Creator has for us. John, in our Gospel this morning, writing much later, agrees. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, but without Him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in Him was life, and the life was the light of all people. Through Creator God, and the one who was with him, the Word, came down and became the light. And here, John is talking about Jesus' earthly life and ministry, and it's all in the past tense. But then he changes to the present tense. The light shines in the darkness, the darkness did not overcome it. Now my favorite services of the year are the Christmas Eve and the Easter Vigil. It's always meaningful to me to see the individual candles be lit to hear everyone singing and praying, and a literal representation of the light of Christ that's inside of them is now visible in their hands. Seeing it kind of burst out into reality. But when you watch from the front as the candles are being lit, you watch as each person, by person by person, you watch the darkness and the shadows be driven away. The light of Jesus is still shining brightly in each one of us. John the Baptist, God sent to testify of the light. He was not the light himself. We read over and over again in the book of Acts that Paul will run into groups of people all throughout the Roman Empire who seem like they're Christians. And he says, so what's your baptism in? John's baptism, is there anything else going on? That's how powerful John's witness was in those days. But John was not the light. And he said of Jesus that he who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was there before me. But why? Why did Jesus come? The psalmist knew the answer centuries before his birth. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being will exalt in the God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland. And as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. John writes about it like this, But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become the children of God. That's the good news of Christmas, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And from his life, his death, and his resurrection, from there, from that fullness, we've all received grace upon grace. For as the earth brings forth its shoots, and the garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, So the Lord God will cause righteousness and peace to spring up before all nations. 
God had already promised to the earth and its inhabitants that its broken condition was something that could be reversed. That just like the new growth we could see in the spring, God was coming to cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all nations, not just those of his chosen people, but for all of us. Before Christ came, Paul describes those who wanted to know God as imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came, so that we might be justified by faith. Did anyone have a, have a nanny or have a babysitter that was so much more strict than your parents you couldn't wait until mom and dad got home? <laughs> I see a lot, of, a lot of smiles and some chuckling out there. That's what the Mosaic Law was. All the law had to be kept. All the sacrifices had to be completed. But then the light came into the world. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian, Paul writes. But when the fullness of time had come, God had sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who are under it, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you were children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave but a child, and if a child, then also an heir through God. God has a deep and abiding love for humanity, for each and every one of us. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to free us from sin and to free us from the burden of the law. But not just to free us from sin and the law, but so that we could be adopted into the family of God. And because we are adopted, God becomes our Father, sending the Spirit to reinforce that into our hearts and into our minds, especially in those moments where we don't feel like we're worthy of being called God's son or daughter. And we're not just children that are set off to the side. In historical parlance, we're not just there as spares. If we are God's children, Paul says, then we're also an heir through God. Think about it. Jesus came not just to be a light shining in the darkness of our world. He didn't come just to liberate us from the hold that the world had on us and to free us from the schoolmaster, from that babysitter that we had. He came to bring us into his family, to make us co-heirs with him and heirs to God's kingdom. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. God sent John to be a witness. And then after Christ's resurrection and ascension, he left the apostles to be witnesses. And they, in turn, continue to add to God's family until today. And now we are Christ's witnesses here on earth. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her vindication shines out like the dawn and her salvation like a burning torch. The nations shall see your vindication and all the kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. Isaiah couldn't contain himself when he saw what the Lord was going to do. He describes Jerusalem's vindication as shining out like the dawn and salvation like a burning torch. The light of the world came to a small town in Judah two millennia ago now, but our lights keep shining so that we can continue to watch the family of God grow, child of God by child of God, as they join. But like Isaiah, don't keep silent. Look around this morning. We have a lot of extra candles lit. You won't see candles lit like this again until Pentecost. But look at those for a moment. Let your light 
moved from being a candle to becoming a torch, drawing others into the family of God. Amen.